0: everybody welcome back to play games lose friends i am ryan here with ken it is episode 31 and we've got a good one today to talk with marvin hegan from nerd lab games that's right i said it right this time i've screwed poor marvin's name up more times than i care to admit (laughs) uh we got to talk to him about the upcoming mind bug kickstarter and we're going to dive into that shortly as well as an interview with marvin so thanks again for joining us today and thanks again to marvin for spending some time with us we're gonna skip some of the normal segments for this as a bit of a shorter episode. So, Ken, why don't we uh, why don't we talk a little bit about previewing next episode? Because we got some a big long game day, and did we not?
1: Yes, we uh, had aspirations to do a lot. Oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just go through the quick lineup, right? We had Fall of the Mountain King. We had Tournament Fishing. We had the Wolves. We had Ahoy. We had Cat in the Box. And tapestry was the lineup that we prepared for for our game day. So I believe next episode we're going to dive into how that all went down, what we got to what we got to the table out of that list uh, and and some thoughts on stuff
0: Yeah, I'm gonna put a little prices right bah, 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 <laughs> in the next episode for that list just a bit of foreshadowing <laughs> about how that all went. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun time. I'm looking forward to chatting about what we played and what we missed, and why I'm kind of sad we missed some of those. But uh, you can blame me for my first choice in that day. I I don't know why it took as long as it did, but well, dear God, there we are will, reasons. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll unpack that next episode. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you why don't you hop in to uh, uh Mindbug? The Kickstarter's up. There's we wanted to get this episode out as fast as we could. Um, because it's going to be over soon. I think as of recording five days. this evening, it's uh, five days left. So yeah. why don't we talk a little bit about the Kickstarter and, and what's in it? And I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, so we've talked about Mindbug
1: before on on the podcast. This was a a small game that I believe was just a very small limited copies of the game uh, in 2022. Two, maybe late 2021, if I'm not mistaken, that went to, uh, Essen over in, over in Europe. And they, they were gone in, you know, the first two seconds of the show because they only had limited copies. And based on that feedback and that excitement, they went to Kickstarter with the f- original base game of Mindbog called First Contact. And there were promo packs and, and some extra stuff in that Kickstarter. Um, well, that fulfilled last year. Um, and we got to play Mindbug a lot. And uh, spoiler alert, we love Mindbug. So uh, we were super excited when Mindbug was coming back to Kickstarter. And not only does this Kickstarter allow you to go back and get some of the stuff you missed maybe from the first campaign, but they also have two standalone expansions slash base sets. Um, and this is Mindbug Beyond Evolution and Mindbug Beyond Eternity. And each one of these standalone expansions adds two unique uh, new sort of mechanics slash sort of keywords, keywords. or way yeah. to interact with cards. Now, as you'll hear uh, from Marvin himself, you can just pick up these and play Mindbug. You don't necessarily have to go back and buy the base game. Um, but if you choose to do the base game, he's encouraging everyone to just – Come up with cool ways to play and utilize all these cards, all these mechanics, all these keywords. Um, uh, as us being completionists, <laughs> uh, clearly we're backing and getting all the stuff. So um, we're going to have all the mind bug goodness that we possibly can get our hands on. Um, but yeah, this campaign, again, we have five days to go on the campaign. Um, several different play levels, or pledge levels. Um, and I, I think we had some folks on our Instagram who've asked about Mindbug. And yes, you can go right now to get the base game on Nerd Labs website, uh, as well. And then it gives you ample time to jump in and back the Kickstarter as well. Um, and not miss out on any of the things that were maybe hitting you with FOMO, uh, from last campaign. So, um, yeah, so that's the sort of the campaign in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. These, these new mechanics look, Fun. And yeah. you, when you first play this game, you, you start thinking about like, and we'll talk about this. We're going to review it later in this episode, but you, you are playing it and seeing some of these keywords and your brain. Like, I don't know about you in particular or me, probably both of us, but you start thinking about like, oh man, it would be cool to add this keyword or this potential feature. Like, and they're just doing more of that, and I would imagine it's just going to continue as the game continues to grow in size and scale. Um, and somehow, you know, all the long while, they're able to keep things pretty simple so that this is super approachable. And we talked to Marvin about that as well in the interview. So why don't we uh, why don't we get to that interview and we'll let Marvin talk for himself, and uh, he can explain more about Mindbug. And the creation of Mindbug, some stories behind getting to meet Richard Garfield and how he influenced the design and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So we will see you back in a few. Enjoy Marvin Hegan. All right. We are here with Marvin Hegan from Nerd Lab Games. Marvin, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So we uh, we're. Self-professed fanboys of Mindbug. We uh, we both backed the last campaign and we really, really enjoyed the game. So we were super excited to get the chance to talk to you, learn a bit more about the game, learn a bit more about the upcoming expansion for the game, which we're both excited about. And I believe we've both backed at this point. So um, I'm just going to let Ken dive into some, some juicy questions about game design and, and the expansion.
1: Yeah, so we, <clears throat> I think we got to stick with just MindBug right off the bat because we're both big fans, as Ryan said, uh, both backers from original, returning backers from this. Um, so how did, how did MindBug be, become a game uh, from your perspective?
2: Yeah, that's actually um, a good starting point. Um, we, and that's me uh, and Christian, my co-designer of this game, um, we met uh, via a podcast, actually. Oh, nice. So uh, I, I, I run my own podcast uh, for Nerd Lab Games. And when I started my journey as a game designer, maybe, like, I don't know the exact date, but maybe th- something like three years ago or four years ago, um, I thought it would be a great idea to um, start a podcast and um, yeah accompany my journey of becoming a game designer. And what I did there is I... Did a weekly, weekly episode talking about the progress of uh, designing um, a game and diving deep into some game mechanics um, that I found interesting, analyzing different games. And um, I also invited uh, a lot of very um, successful game designers to learn from them. And I thought it would be easier to uh, get their attention and get the chance to talk to them and ask them interesting questions when I would have some kind of audience um, so that they wouldn't just tell me their secrets, but would uh, kind of teach a whole lot of uh, new and aspiring game designers. And with this podcast, I, um, at some point in time, had the feeling that it's kind of... uh, I don't want to say depressing but it sometimes it can be lonely to just sit in your basement and uh, work <laughs> on your own games you know so um and I I I thought that many of my listeners had the same the same feeling so I thought it would make sense to form some different mastermind groups where like five or six game designers group together meet on a regular basis talk about their ideas play test their ideas so that you have someone else who kind of understands where you want to go understands the game that you want to design and wants to um, and helps you to get yeah, to get there and um christian my co-designer was in uh, one of those mastermind groups where i also participated in and we realized really quickly that we like the same kind of games like this uh dueling card games um trading card games collectible card games and um we decided to work on one together, and we defined some core design pillars for it, and um, came up with uh, the initial Mindbug idea. And I have to say that this game was very good from the very beginning. Most of most of the other designs that I see in the early phase, my own ones and other ones as well, uh, they tend to need a lot of work to 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 become a, a good game. Um, but with Mindbug, we were. I don't know, kind of lucky. And Christian's also a very good designer. Maybe he's just uh, uh, so good. I don't know. But the first the first idea really was already quite good. And um, yeah, that's how Mindbug came to be. So at so, what... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was, I was, I
0: was going to say, so uh, that's awesome. And I, you, know, you can kind of tell when you play it too, how quickly it works. I don't know how to describe that. It's almost like this is innate... Ability to know when we play games, what had to go through a ton of refinement since we just play so much stuff and what maybe just kind of work from the get go. Um, so I guess between you and Christian, at what point did all of a sudden the names Richard Garfield and Scaphalias Elias start becoming a part of that project? Because that's a uh, that's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of gamer credit credibility leverage throwing those two names onto any game that you uh, that you see absolutely absolutely yeah that um
2: <clears throat> is uh, also a funny story which i'm happy uh, to share here so i would say christian and myself again i don't know the exact time frame but we worked on the game for at least half a year maybe more probably more um and we tried so many different things with the game and instead of making it much better we we always kind of uh destroyed it and um <laughs> reverted back to the initial uh to the initial design which is kind of which is kind of funny um because we could put a lot of effort into trying different things but in the end the maybe the core idea was the best with having these two mind bugs that can steal yeah. an opponent's play um yeah but then at some point in time um i as mentioned in the beginning of this podcast i invited uh, successful game designers to my to my nerd lab games podcast and i also invited richard garfield um at one point and he he agreed to be a guest on my show which was awesome for me because i'm a a, a magic fanboy uh since the 90s same um, here you're not you're alone in, you're in good company <laughs> yeah I, I i'm sure i am so um it was i was thrilled to have him on my on my podcast and in the podcast he i always also asked most of the time asked the designers to give uh, some kind of advice, advice for aspiring new game designers. And his advice was uh, play as much games as you can, um, because you will learn from them um, and never stop uh, playing new games. And um, yeah, I used, I used this uh, uh, to, to ask him after the show, if he would be interested to um, play uh, one, of, one of our designs. And, um, yeah, I knew he was, he's very much interested in, um, also in in aspects like balancing a game or so. And, um, yeah, I made a a very bold statement. So um, I told him that we have uh, come up with a mechanic that allows us to create uh, cards that can be as powerful as you want. And this mechanic automatically balances these uh, these cards, and we can achieve that without the need of any resource cost at all. Well, that was basically my pitch, and he said um, this must be an overstatement. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that is absolutely true. That is that is a bit of an overstatement. But I, it, I got his interest, um, and then we. Um, we met on tabletop simulator to, to to play the game, and his first his first reaction was, um, "I'm very impressed. Can we play again?" And that's exactly what you want to hear as a game designer.
1: Hundred percent. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and then we played. Um, and by the way, I lost the, the first round against him, which is kind <laughs> of a shame. It's very, it's a shame for me, but uh, maybe uh, I don't how know. How smart you, he is.
0: You figure the creator of Magic: The Gathering is probably pretty good at card games, I would imagine. <laughs> yes, he
2: is. Yeah,
1: if you're um, going to lose to anyone your first time, I mean, it's probably a good couple you're <laughs> to to yeah. right?
2: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we played a couple of rounds, and he was um, he was very very impressed by it. And um, on the next day, he he emailed me and told me that he played uh, a lot of games um, in the meantime while I was sleeping actually um, due to the time difference. And um, he was also, he said he was a bit concerned in the beginning because it's just a small number of cards. Um, So he was concerned about the replayability and that's why he played a lot of games in the meantime. Um, And he said, Oh, I'm also very impressed about the replayability. I wouldn't not, would not have expected that from so, so few cards. And um, I knew that he was interested in it, and it didn't take l- took long um, until we made an agreement that we would work together on this game. And he ever ever since we meet once a week to um, to work on Mindbug, improve it, work on new expansions, and um, that was a a huge honor for me personally, but also a huge help for the game to um, to design it and make it better.
1: So um, you did hit on something that I think we want to sort of pick at a little bit more because I think that is sort of the core to Mindbug is you mentioned about, you know, cards could be as powerful as you want them to be without that sort of balancing, which again, I'm sure there's, you know, there's, you know, it's a, there's a little asterisk there maybe or a few asterisks there. However, that is the beauty I think, in mind bug. And this is something that Ryan and I, we really gravitate towards because any 10 cards you pick, you know, it's it's a coin flip and it's about how you use them. And then obviously the strategic nature of when you mind bug, when you don't. But these cards, you know, could be, you know, the, the biggest thing on the board or the smallest thing on the board, and it could still help you win the game. So how did you get into that sort of that aspect that you mentioned about that sort of lack of balancing because they all sort of balance themselves out anyway. Can you, can you dive a little deeper into that? Sure. So I would say
2: it's a mix of uh, design on purpose and luck. I would say Um, we, as I mentioned before, we, we, we set ourselves some design pillars um, that we wanted to to reach with this game and one was that so what we defined at the beginning we want the core feeling of a collectible card game of a really strategic uh, card game with uh, very powerful effects and um, we thought about the different the different trading card games we like like magic for example but also keyforge and others and often you have some kind of very cool after a game we have a very cool effect that happened maybe because you played a very strong card on turn 10 or um, you managed to combine a few cards um, so that you have a very cool um, kind of combo setup. And we wanted to keep that. That was the core we wanted to keep. Um, and we wanted to get rid of uh, the mana system and a few other things. And so we, in the beginning, and also the complexity due to timing Timing situations that come up because you have uh, creatures, spells, uh, instant spells, and so on, uh, or reactions, and we tried to to have a starting point where we cut as much as possible from these kind of games while keeping the core essence. And we totally thought we would cut too much in the beginning, and then add. Uh, certain elements later on because we said okay we only want we start with creatures only creatures just no other card types they only have one power value so no power strength uh no 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 not, not power and defense no armor no initiative or um attributes like that we wanted just one power value only one type of card like creatures and um no resource system and we said okay we need something to to kind of balance it and this is where the mind bug mechanic came came to be where we said okay um if someone plays their strongest card on turn one they we need something to pre- some mechanic to prevent that and we came up with a mind box and we didn't expect them to work that good to be honest so that was the <laughs> luck part that i mentioned because they did not only solve the um the kind of balancing of the cards they really also helped to add a Completely new strategic layer to the game, and evolved into yeah the core mechanic of the game, the name giving mechanic in the end, and um, that was yeah as mentioned the purpose part, but also a little bit of luck because it worked much better than we expected it to be.
0: Yeah, I think the that happens a bit more in design than I think people sometimes care to admit or acknowledge. There's a lot of that. You know, starting with the core principle, getting into some additional mechanics, maybe overcomplicating it too much and scaling it back. And then all of a sudden there's that sort of one lucky mechanic. We talked to um to Kyle Rowan from Weird Uh Games in our last uh interview episode, and he kind of mentioned the same thing with Vagrant Song that they were looking at like a card based system for some of the uh you know the uh, enemy actions and they ended up just falling back to something that was already in the game to do and it just worked out so much better so i think that's a pretty common thing but it's also something that just tends to be kind of neat when it works out um mindbugs got a really kind of goofy tongue in cheek card set uh some great names for some of the cards you know I, I was looking at the jazz dog this morning like the game is ridiculous in some ways um which is a good thing i think it the lightheartedness is is fun and whimsical did you guys always kind of have that theme there or was this kind of uh, you know something else at one point and how did you get to where you're at today
2: um yeah we discussed different themes in the beginning so i'm personally i'm a big fan of this classical fantasy also a bit dark fantasy stuff i really like that yeah. Um and I would even personally I would probably even prefer that for as a theme for the game. Um however, when we look at Mindbug from what the game feels like when you play it, we think it's a little bit It's a little bit easier than all these other trading card and collectible card games. The entry is much easier than, for example, Magic or KeyForge or any of these other games. Definitely. But um, and yeah, that's also why we thought, okay, we 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 want to have some kind of theme that is attractive to a broader audience that is not like um, super generic. It should um, stick out a little bit, and it. It should be cute, so that it also attracts like um, smaller kids, yeah, younger um, audience, and maybe also females. So we wanted to to have a bit of a broader audience because it's. I think Mindpack is a great entry entry level game for people that are interested in diving deeper into uh, dueling card games, and that's where we kind of brainstormed and came up with the idea of having these um, kind of some form of creature that can mind control others this is where where it started but we were pretty pretty soon with a mind controlling theme and then we we it evolved from there into like uh, creature uh, the combination of different creatures because these mind controlling creatures try to um, combine the DNA of uh, creatures that they meet on different or find on different uh, planets and uh, this is where we try to mix in a bit of fantasy a bit of sci-fi but also uh, like the typical creatures you find on earth and saw that we try to make them funny with the artwork and also sometimes with the names. And uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't take the ourselves too serious in this uh, with regards to the theme. So that's, that's where, we, where it came to be. yes.
0: Yeah. I would say it was a good choice because you get a lot of laughs when you play that for the first time with people who haven't played before. And I totally agree about this is one of the most accessible, Small box, you know, trading collectible card games. I think I've ever played, and I, I think Ken would agree. We have quite a few in our collection, and there aren't a lot that you can kind of throw on the table and in five minutes be able to communicate exactly how to play this game and see people enjoy it so quickly. So, you guys did a very good job with that. Thank you.
1: So, with with a little bit of time we have remaining, uh, I know we were live on Kickstarter with our first expansion. Uh, what is it, Mindbug Beyond? Uh, Beyond Evolution and Beyond Eternity are the two expansions, uh, and I believe it's four new mechanics. Is that correct? Being introduced to the game,
2: yeah, kind of four mechanics. Uh, not sure if I would call all of them. Yeah, or I, maybe actually, you they are mechanics, not really. <laughs> um, yeah, not to be confused with key keywords, but yes, they're for, for for new mechanics. I would say.
1: Can you uh, can you dive a little bit deeper into before? Or just a little bit on each? Sure, absolutely. So, you know
2: so yeah. So we have two different um, expansions on Kickstarter at the moment. The one, as you mentioned, is uh, Beyond uh, Evolution, and the other one is Beyond Eternity. And we try to achieve different different things with those two expansions. So, Beyond Evolution is, um, I would say, it's closer to the base game, but we wanted to try. Uh, to give people a bit more um, mechanics to to play around with. And we introduce uh, actions in this in this set. And actions is something you can do during your turn instead of attacking or playing a card. So in the st- typically you can just do one of two things in your turn. Play a card from your hand or attack with a creature that you haven't played. That's everything you do in one turn. Um, but now some creatures have... Um, a, key, um, a word that says action, and then they can do something. So you can activate them instead of attacking. And um, this gives us a little bit more design space to create effects in the game. And we um, we are pretty sure that this will be something also for future expansions that will stay. And um, there's one very specific action in this game, and that is um, an action that allows you to evolve that creature. So we have a few creatures in the set that start at as level one creatures, and we wanted to explore this theme of evolving into something else a bit more. And um, you can activate them to transform them into a level two creature, which is uh, a bit stronger than the level one creature typically. and um, Then you can do it once more to evolve into their final ultimate form, which is then level three. And um, they are really strong then. So they can be game changers, these level three creatures. You basically uh, set your opponent uh, kind of a a quest. So when you have one of these evolved creatures, it's basically your opponent's opponent's task to either put enough, enough pressure on you so that you don't have the time to evolve them or to get rid of those creatures. Um, and we find that quite interesting to figure out this new timing element when you have the time to to evolve, um, or sometimes it might not even be the right choice to do. So that's uh, the Beyond Evolution set. Well, real quick,
1: Marvin, just a yeah. follow-up to that evolution and the action, how they work together. Um, do the other, like the the level two and level three, do they stay out of the game? If you draw that card, or how do you know you're getting that card, or so, how do you know you have an evolution sure. card?
2: Um, so only the level level one creatures are in the set, in the in the pile you draw from, and level two and three um, are outside of the game, like an extra deck. You can you can think of it, um, okay. and <clears throat> they are level two and three are on the front and of the back of uh, another card. So when I, for example, have my level one wild sprout, I play it and then I activate it next turn. Then I remove the wild sprout from the game and replace it with the big root uh, from outside the game, which is then the level two version of it. And when I evolve the level two, I just flip the card because on the backside is the level three of it, which is okay, in that perfect. case the big old oaken Oak master. And if for some reason the card would be defeated or put back into your hand or whatsoever, you put the level two, level three card out of the game again, and you get the level one back into your hand, your deck, or your discard pile. So you will always only get the level one card to, to play or um, have in your discard pile.
1: And can you mind bug the second evolution when it no. evolves? Or you can only mind bug the level one?
2: You can only mind bug the level one. So you need to make okay. the decision early on.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. That that definitely uh, adds a little more turn angst and, and mind bug angst to the game. I like that.
2: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Um, all right. Sorry. I, I just, th- that was something I've been curious on since the beginning of the campaign. <laughs> yeah. um, so thank you. Um, all right. So beyond eternity is the next yeah. one, right?
2: Yeah. Beyond eternity um, has a bit of another angle. So, Beyond Eternity is we wanted to explore the discard pile as an additional resource in this game. Um, And we did this by um, adding a few mechanics there. One is that some cards have effects while they are in the discard pile. It's like you can consider it like a permanent, like an enchantment or so in, in Magic, and, um, but you need to get that card to the discard pile first. And um, we used as a thematic aspect to it, we use like cards that you already know from the base game that come back as a blessed or a cursed version of that card. And if a blessed card goes to your discard pile, it comes with a benefit, like for example, um, all your creatures get plus one power. The blessed shield box grant you that while they are in the discard pile, but There is also a cursed version um, that um, kind of have a a negative effect in your discard pile. And um, that's one aspect of the game. And the second new mechanic is the boost mechanic that allows you to take cards out of the discard pile and use them as plus one counters for your creatures. So you take a card from either discard pile and put it Uh, face down below one of your creatures and that face down card now counts as a plus one counter so we give you a little bit more agency in this set as well to um, create your own creatures like um, you could have a a hunter that you buff a lot of times with this boost mechanic so that you have a power 10 hunter, for example, which is ridiculously strong card that is super hard to beat. Um, but you will have to put a lot of work into that, into that creature. And you put all of your eggs into one basket. So it's a bit of a risk as well. And um, this is how this uh, beyond eternity set works. It's a little bit more, um, combo based i would say so there's more a little bit more going on it's a little bit more strategic than the other ones um and uh i think it will definitely appeal to people who have some kind of magic background and so on because uh you you have to take into account a bit more cards than uh, in one of the base sets i would say
1: and just real quick another follow-up <clears throat> when you do the boost can you take from any discord pile or is there certain cards that Take from your opponent's versus yours, or how does that work?
2: Um, You you can take from any discard pile.
1: Okay, and when a card
2: is defeated, that has boosted cards uh, below it, all those cards will go into your discard pile. So this can lead to situations where cards go into your opponent's discard pile, give some kind of benefit to them, but then you boost them on one of your creatures. This creature is defeated, and then this card that gives you benefit while it's in the discard pile now certainly is in your discard pile. So you get the benefit. Um, And this is kind of um, how this game evolves um, a little bit, that you kind of fight over the the discard pile cards a little bit as a resource and find to uh, get chances to leverage them. But there are also cards that, not so many, but some cards that have kind of a bonus while your discard pile is empty. So if you take too many cards from your opponent's discard pile, um he might be able to um to also get a benefit from having an, an empty discard pile. Yeah. So that's that's how uh, Beyond Eternity is, uh, is structured.
1: Yeah. That, that's amazing because I know that was some of the power in just the base core mindbook was some of those um those cards that would allow you to sort of recycle from the discard pile or, or sort of uh, you know bring things back so it was always cool to you know sort of mind bug something to get it killed so that you can bring it back a second time potentially um so i love that that's so crunchy
0: so marvin aside from the the upcoming expansions and uh, as of recording today we've got five days left on the kickstarter so if you haven't backed mind bug go do it because it's an excellent game uh aside from the upcoming expansions what's next for Mindbug? what can we look forward to in the future
2: so, for now, we would say we um the maybe that's important to say the new expansion they can be played standalone, so there's, those are standalone expansions um you, they are designed in a way that they are work really well in this uh in this environment when you play one of those expansions, but uh, and you already mentioned it that you like some of the cards from the base set that also uh, interact with the discard pile, you yes. can totally mix and match all those cards together. Um, And play with a big pile of cards or you could create your own kind of um, set or your own kind of um, cube um, and play with a set that you design that you think is very synergistic or with a lot of hunters in the set or without uh, frenzy creatures or without sneaky creatures. I don't know. Um, So we encourage people to explore new uh, game modes. With, uh, with the new expansions because they now have, uh, the first time they have a, um, a bigger card pool. So we encourage them to try playing a draft, to play constructed even, or like these own design sets and cubes. And um, for us, the plan is to, as long as people are interested, we will create new, ex- new standalone expansions. And um, explore different game mechanics and um, also new game modes in the future. So there are certainly things that we are interested in. the The four player mode is really really good. We think so. I'm pretty sure we'll focus more on that in the future as well. But I could also totally see if a, a, a single player version or a, like a quest co op quest version of the game. Um, there is nothing really that is finished yet, but I think the game is pretty strong and pretty robust um, to work with a lot of different game modes, a lot of different mechanics, and as long as people like it, we will do it.
0: Well, I have good news.
1: Yeah, definitely, because that's the thing. It is such a core, amazing game for just the small, you know, again, at, at at the base level and obviously what it sounds with these two new sort of standalone base sets, there's just so much game in these cards it's amazing
2: yeah and maybe one more thing to mention um we are also working on a digital version of the
0: game awesome yeah because really? i think
2: it's very it's very well suited for that because it's yeah. if you have a you can play it in a few in a few minutes um and it, you just need a few cards so it's easy to easy to display on a, on, a, on a on a smartphone it can be played uh, in a, in the train while you commute or so um yeah and we are working on that we don't have a release date for the beta yet but um we are pretty confident that we will uh we'll get a pretty good game there as well that's awesome
0: well, I have good news for you. You have at least two people that are interested in continuing more Mindbug uh, releases <laughs> in the future, and I'm sure many, many others. So, yeah, thanks so a lot. Again, the Kickstarter is still up, five days left. If you haven't, go back it. And if you can, back the full uh, edition, including the, the prior set, because the whole thing is an excellent package. Marvin, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you know, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and we're excited for, for the upcoming expansions and to get our hands on to play. And uh, if you ever need two more playtesters, you can certainly let us know. We would be glad to help join.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: All right. Take care, Marvin. All right. We are back. So that was, uh, that was a good talk. It was interesting to hear how the whole Richard Garfield situation became a thing for them and, and how his name got attached to the project.
1: Yeah. And the exciting part, too, is also how much stuff they had in the beginning that maybe is now in these new expansions but yeah. then more than likely how much stuff is still yet to come with this game because um they have such a good foundation built and a good uh yeah sort of absolutely balance as we'll talk about here in a second already mixed in or sort of nicely coupled with the game so yeah I, I i'm just-
0: curious to see too like the cadence that they do this, like if it's going to be just an annual release, because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we there's so many things they can potentially add that are going to still be really fun mechanically and still jive with the game, but still be fairly simple in terms of gameplay and approachability. So and he kind of mentioned some of that, too, like they really focused on trying to make that that collectible trading card game mentality or archetype, more approachable, more simple, but still get across the same level of fun. I think they really did that.
1: Yeah. And also not smacking you in the pocketbook every every quarter, yeah. right? With like, oh, now I got to spend another $1,000 or now here's another $1,000 to be relevant. Like you get 10 yeah. cards, <laughs> which we'll talk about here. You're going to get 10 cards out of now it's what? Almost 300 cards, potentially something like that. I mean, it's going to be a lot.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the – so the the Kickstarter, the base pledge, which is like they call the Explorer pledge, is around like maybe 38 bucks. Let's say 50 bucks shipped in the US. You're getting 104 new cards. You're getting life trackers and the promo pack, and they're all boxed. So – it's a really good deal for, like, out of those 104 cards, you can play standalone, like you mentioned, or you can add them to the base set if you have it. There's an yeah. absolute crap load of replayability in that, like, just tons of it.
1: Yeah. It, I'm ex- I'm so excited. I just – <laughs> not that we needed more Mindbug, right? right? Because Mindbug was amazing. But just the fact that oh, they're going to – these new mechanics, I love that new Evolve mechanic. I'm so excited for yeah, it.
0: Yeah, me too. And I love what he mentioned about you can't steal them after they've
1: started evolving, which is another
0: layer of play I was not expecting to see with that mechanic.
1: Yeah. I mean, but just imagine down the road, maybe there's like a a special mind bug that you could play it from your hand to stop an evolution or to steal an evolution, which might be kind of cool, right? right? Like it just just opens up possibilities. So I'm just super excited. Super excited.
0: I I also – I'm not backing that tier – but the, the functional play mats that they're including, one of the artwork for the new one has a smiling toaster on it. And I really want that, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm just going to hold back and not do it. I yeah, saw that I, earlier today and I was like, Oh God, a toaster. Why does that, why is that drawing me in? It is adorable. Yeah.
1: And, and, uh, I, I get, well, we're going to get in the art, right? The art is one of the things that I just, I gravitated towards this game. I love, I love the artwork. You, obviously you heard Marvin talk about it, right? Like it was, it was geared towards a a more broader audience, both for younger players and, and female players. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, as you heard, he's, he's an old school magic guy. You know, so are we. Um, which again, the art and that fantasy mythical creatures is what sort of brought us in to that game two years ago, back in the, oof, mid nineties. Um, but. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, I just the art is just super
0: cool. Yeah, it's really good. So right.
1: let's uh Enough gush, gush
0: and
1: <laughs> yeah. get into it. <laughs> well we'll
0: just gush with the formal structure this yeah. time. Uh we're gonna review MindBug, but before we do, why don't you just uh quick dive into so our reviews are theme balance, fun, component quality, replayability with a final score. Uh, we rate from one to five, well zero to five technically, but if anything's getting to zero, we may not even. Yeah, we may not even be talking talk about, about it. <laughs> yeah, or maybe we should just to warn people. Uh, and then we also give it a final. Will it make you lose friends? Yes or no. Um, before we get into the review, do you just want to quick give like a sure. short overview for those who haven't played how the game works?
1: So at the beginning, it's it, it, right now, uh, and it seems like there's a new version, and he uh, Marvin talked about it a little bit a potential four player version, um, but essentially it is a dueling card game. Uh, 1v1 or two players, uh, where you just get a random pile of 10 cards, uh, you get three life points, and you get two mind bugs. And on your turn, you can do very simple, you can play a card, or you can attack with one of the cards in front of you. And once you reduce your opponent's life total uh, down from three to zero, you win. Now, the interesting part is these mind bugs. Again, you get two per game. And what a mind bug does is when an opponent plays a card, you have a chance to mind bug or steal that card. So you play one of your mind bugs and then you gain that player's card. The ability on that card then is yours. So if it's an in play ability, like when it comes into play or to, I think it's deploy. I forget the keyword, but when, when the in play ability triggers, you get that ability as well. Your opponent does not. Then your opponent gets to take another turn, which potentially you could mind bug a second time and take their next card. Um, but then you'll be out of mind bugs and you'll be forced to try to whittle them down to zero with what you have, um, at least from your deck and cards in your play area. What did I miss? I think that's pretty pretty straightforward. There's no redrawing. Yeah, Once your I- deck is done, your deck is done. Nope. Um
0: Although you can come dip into your, your sort of uh, the discard, discard pile slash yep. graveyard a little bit with yep. some keywords and some abilities. But yeah, I think you, you got the gist of it. It's a real quick hit, 10 cards. Let's go at it. 1v1 one one card game. Um, and the mind bug mechanic is what really makes it stand out. So Marvin yeah, kind and- of mentioned that in the interview too, where he's kind of boasted to uh, richard garfield that we've <laughs> created this ultimate balance and you know uh they're not too far off they're really not too far off it does really balance the game out in a way that is something i haven't really seen too much and something as simple to get to the table and play as Mindbug. all right let's uh let's start talking review so i mentioned the categories before let's kick off with theme uh, I'll, I'll go first okay. this time Give you, save you the pressure of
1: <laughs> the pressure of going category. first on theme,
0: my right. my uh, dreaded category. <laughs> yeah, theme for me in this game. I, I have to preface this with I really do like that they went kind of goofy and weird with it. Um, yeah. like aliens <laughs> taking over, you know, the minds like of, of Kangan
1: Kodos, right? That's who it reminds, yeah, sort of reminds it me of. It has that Simpsons. sort of
0: <laughs> yeah. visual draw there, and the art's great and stuff, and that helps with theme, but. You know, we talked with Marvin in the interview and he mentioned, oh, I, you know, I think I asked the question, like, how did the theme get there? Where did it come from or something? And he kind of said, like, really, I could have gone with high fantasy or anything else, but this is what we kind of settled with because it worked. So uh, to me, it's like usually games that are the theme is sort of wishy-washy in that you could potentially replace with something else and it wouldn't be a problem. I tend to rate a little lower. So I want a 3.5 here. But I, I will say that I actually really do like the theme that they went with. It's just that it isn't I – t- I tend to rate this category in that does it enhance the gameplay or make the game more fun and or interesting from a user perspective? Like I'm sitting here as a player. Does it really make things better in a way? And I would say not really in this case. Um, but I still enjoy the art and the theme that they did come up with. So to me, a three 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 and a half seems fair. How about you?
1: I went slightly higher, but I agree with what you're saying. I went with a four. Um, the, and I took it solely from sort of the mind bug, right? The game's called mind bug first contact. Um, and you know, what does that, um, what does that mean? Right. And what it means to me is you, you know, you get to control and you get to do it twice. So thematically, you always are sort of. On edge, right? And, you know, is this going to get mind bug or strategically? Should I play this first? So I think that, um, definitely plays into the theme. Um, but to your point, you know, again, it, there, you know, as you say, st- even Marvin stated, you know, other themes could have applied here. Um, but for me, um, I went with a four because I felt thematically those bugs and the game, it does come together. And to me, it does enhance, you know, as you stated, the, the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it works. It, it definitely works. I could just see them being like, all right, well, the mind bugs are a mind flayer or <laughs> some brain eating zombie. Or, like you could easily flip it out, but what they did do as a whole works. And so I don't think I can knock it too, too hard. So uh what'd you have for balance?
1: Well, we talked about that, right? They almost have a perfect system, right? Or a very balanced system because you could play the smallest little character and its ability is monumental. Um, or you can play this big baddie that keeps stomping down the attack tracks uh, and is almost uh, tough to beat. So, And then having that mind bug to balance you out, I think it's a five for me from a balance. Uh, anyone can win at every given moment. You never
0: know what 10 cards you have and you try to make the best with what you got. So I went with a five. I'm close. I'm a four and a half. Uh, And the only reason I put it there is because I have, we have played some games where one side has just an incredibly synergistic set of 10 cards and the other side, not so much. And that can lead to just a rampant stomping. Um, That doesn't happen often, but it is there and the potential for it is there. It's not such a huge knock on balance as, as it is maybe your ability to shuffle cards well. (laughs) But I think there are moments in that game where I can see, and this is what the, you know, the dice you roll with a game like this, where you have a very large set of cards, you take a very small subset of those cards at random, and then that's what you're stuck with. Yeah. And it's, it it harkens back a little bit to me to like a a draft, right? Of magic or any other card game that you're playing where you just you got what you got or, or even sealed you got what you got you got to work with what you got you got to make the best of it but there are cases where you know some of those those synergistic combos in one deck are just so great and the other deck not so much so i have to knock it just a little bit of a point there but again i don't think that's a huge deal for the game um it really doesn't happen that often
1: i i, I hear what you're saying and <clears throat> we made the joke right play better Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and this is the piece that is very key Forge-y to me, right? Or, or harkens back to key forge, right? Where, yeah. Like you open a deck Absolutely. and that's your deck. Now, granted, some decks were definitely more swingy than others. However, I feel like your play style and how you use what you got is really the key. And to, and yes, you could, Randomly get a more synergistic pile of cards, but the people in this genre who play this can find ways and can find strength in cards, uh, differently than other players of the genre. Um, so to your point, yes, it could feel like you got something like that, but I don't, I don't want to use that necessarily as an excuse. You know what I mean? So what you're but saying isn't bad at the game, basically. I'm not saying you specifically, <laughs> but if you want to use that one excuse where you got smashed in mind bug by me, I'll take that.
0: Yes, that's fine.
1: I think I did hand you a tissue after, right?
0: Valid argument. No, I don't think there were <laughs> tissues, and that was immediately after before I beat you. So yes, <laughs> yes but I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't whine or cry or come up with an excuse.
1: <laughs>
0: or Daka gave a half
1: a point. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I think I agree with you, and maybe my opinion would be slightly changed the more games I get. But for yeah, now, we definitely got to play I'm
1: more it's so good to get to the table. And it should be.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a crime. We've talked about played it more. Yeah. We've talked about two, a two-player game day or game night or whatever. That that just needs to happen at this point because we just have so many of them. That's on that list. Or find yeah. a way to make it work for four players. I'm sure we can. I, I can't remember if there's a full four-player set in the rules. I think there. I yeah, think there was. I think we. Played I'm definitely it gonna
1: go game. hide for it, uh, hunt for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, fun. So to me, this is an easy five. This game mm-hmm. is just straight up fun. Uh I really love small box card games. I have a lot of them. I enjoy playing them. I know you do too. There aren't a lot that I have for two players that I feel like I could take to just about any mid-weight to heavyweight gamer with full confidence and know that they're going to have a good time playing it along with me and also still have some of that competitive nature. This is probably tops or top three on that list of games. Um It is really fun all the time. And we'll get into replayability later, but part of the reason it is so fun is because you just don't play the same games twice. And yeah. with this Kickstarter coming in and an additional 104 cards being added to the base set, holy crap, we're going to have a lot more fun because there's just going to be so much variability between games, uh, You know, different player skills, add into that, different people and personalities. That, it's just all that together in a two-player game that is something you can just carry in a box – plop down and crank out three games in, you know, 30 minutes. Fantastic. So easy five for me.
1: It's also a five for me, um, <clears throat> based on everything you've just stated. Um, but also, uh, to add to it, we taught it to what another 10 people between the two of us, right outside yeah, of just you so. and I learning the game. Um, and that was, uh, one of the smallest teachings ever in a card game, now, granted, having a little bit of the magic background or, or a key forge background helps, but it's not detrimental to entering, uh, and playing this game. Um, if anything, you might, you know, need to go back and try that too. This could be a gateway into those types of games as well. Um, but, but it's a five. It, there's nothing but fun in that little box. And now we're going to have three little boxes of fun. So I'm super excited. Um, one thing too, Ryan, I was just – as you were talking, I was kicking around an idea. What if we – you know, when we get the two new expansions, what if we did a draft where like we'll have p- pools of each base set out and you draft from each pool to make your 10-card deck? I think that might be kind of cool. You so had me a- <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> you just say the word draft and I'm like, yep. uh, yeah, okay, I'm in. It doesn't matter so what it is.
1: I'm just thinking maybe that might be kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we've we played a lot of, like, what I'll say is just vanilla, straight-up, 1v1 one one mind bug. Yep. We have not really explored some of the possibilities, and I it's one of the things I think is a cool feature or strength about this game. Like, it's the simplicity allows for some player invention, and I almost feel like that – Marvin kind of said that a little bit in the interview, that it's almost intentional in a way, and I, I just really like that. I really like that the design went in that direction – And yet they're still choosing to grow it organically through just adding new keywords and sets and stuff. But, like, we can kind of decide how we play. And there's that level of freedom and player agency on how you want to consume a given title is really cool. I like when games and game designers do that kind of thing.
1: Well, I mean, a good example of that, too, is just look at Commander, right, in Magic. Um Commander was a style of playing Magic. That was in sort of the underground or in the card shops, right? And then magic, you know, there, then, then local shops started doing tournaments for commander and you would show up with your other, your other two teammates and you'd go head to head in a tournament with your three commander decks. And now they actually made it a product and it's a sanctioned aspect of magic where you can just buy commander products. If that's all you are as a commander player, they try to make decks that would be good for that format. So and and cards specifically for that format that you know. Uh so I think that's great and and it seems like mindbug is definitely following in that footsteps. Um and obviously our community has you know ideas and stuff so it's just going to keep growing. Uh but I love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's always good to listen to your player base about what they want and, and see what they're doing, because you can draw a lot of good ideas from that. Not every designer gets everything up front, and I'm sure Marvin would agree with that sentiment. Uh, component quality, what did you have?
1: It, it's just basically a set of cards right now. Um, so with some of the new stuff, the it could go up, but I went with a 4.5. Uh, I couldn't really knock it too much. Uh, the reason why I did ding at that one point was – Um, it could have been nice to get some, a a sort of life tracker or some sort of life counter, uh, in the beginning, but I guess you couldn't fit it in the box. Um, because basically the box with, uh, this is sleeved right now from the first Kickstarter basically takes up that whole box and there is not a lot of wiggle room. Um, technically what you're supposed to do is just use three of the other cards that you don't use as your life total. Um, it might've been neat to just have three cards that or six cards that would have been your life totals might've been kind of cool. Um, which couldn't have maybe taken up too much space in your box. Might've been another good excuse for some cool artwork, you know, um, like sort of, uh, if you think about the Keyforge keys, you know, there, there, there might've been some way to do that. Um, but again, it's, it's a box, it's cards, you sleeve them, you're good to go. So I went with a 4.5. Same for me. It's hard and to rate art,
0: card games. I guess like the if, art, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Art sort of goes into the component quality, right? The art is fantastic. Yep. So yes. So yeah, I
0: mean, I've kind of had the same, same sentiments like card games, hard to rate, but for, for what it is, it's a four and a half for me. There's no real dings. Same, same thing with the, you know, the mind bug, uh, cards are great. I do think the life tokens could have potentially been added or a tracker, but no big deal. Like you can figure that out. It's only three anyway, yep. or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just think as a whole that it's it's a really well-made product. The card quality is nice. You know, I got – we both got the, the – or actually, did you get the box with the first printing? I did not, and now I'm kicking myself because
1: now I'm going to have three <laughs> little boxes on the shelf, which you can have it all in one box. So,
0: <sighs> grumbles. I can, and I almost wish I didn't have it because I'd rather just have a couple deck boxes, honestly. Like these True. small box card games, one of the draws is that it's just – a small it's, amount yeah. of space throws in a backpack throws in a pocket. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great to have that type of thing. So, but I, I think, you know, the box itself and storage for everything was great. So overall four and a half, not, uh not disappointed and looking forward to what they're going to have to offer in, in the next one. And the play mat was nice too. I should mention the play mat was nice from the initial one. Uh So I guess the last one here is replayability. replayability yep. Yeah. I went with an easy five. I mentioned it earlier. This game has a crap load of cards. There's a whole bunch more coming. They all are very different. They're all very powerful. We've talked about that before too. Every card feels like it's overpowered, but when every card's overpowered, then I guess you're pretty well balanced in some fashions. Um, I could play this over and over and over again, not really get sick of it. With the expansion coming, it's probably going to be even better, but just the base game alone has offered us a lot of fun in a small package and we played, you know, how many games now where I know we're going to be playing more soon. So this is an easy five for me and I'm looking forward to getting even more mechanics over the course of time. These expansions are going to add obviously some more, but I'm excited to see where they go with it. Cause the more they do there, the more space they have for design with keywords, the more interesting interactions that are going to come about and just kind of exponentially add to that replayability. So Easy five
1: again, just another five uh, from me. You know, you 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 hit the nail on the head. Um, we've played what a dozen, two dozen games of this already, if not a little more. And I still haven't played every card. I haven't seen every card in that in that base game. Um, yeah, I don't I, think I. I, have I, I might have had them used against me, but I've never had to play <laughs> or the opportunity to, to play them. But um, but yeah, it's a. It's a lot of replayability in that little box. And I think that's where some of the small box card games really have an advantage. Not only is it easy to get to the table, um, and again, because it's only 10 cards, you're only going to get through – you'd have to play it, what, almost 20, 50 times, something like that, somewhere over there, to actually see all those cards, maybe. Oh, my God. I don't even know. It's not even more. Probably,
0: yeah, yeah, the math's probably higher math than that.
1: Yeah. I'm not good at We're that. not good at math. Mass is hard, um, but yeah. So, but yeah, it, it's it's a lot of replayability um, in that box.
0: Yeah, and I, you said small box card games. I don't think all small small box card games have. I can't talk today. Uh, have <laughs> any? Uh, they don't. They don't all have that level of, of replayability. I think one of the reasons why this works so well is you're like, oh, just take ten cards out of this enormous deck. Like, yeah, I, there aren't a lot of. I mean, I don't own a lot of small box card games that function that way. And it just makes it that the base set has that replayability. Agreed. All right. Final score for me, four and a half. How about Mm -hmm. you?
1: I was a 4.7. And um, this is up there. Hallowed ground. Yeah. And I think um, it was on both of our top 50, I thought, too, right?
0: Yeah, Um, it was. But some of the other games that it –
1: the other games that it works with are scored the same for me anyway, where Wingspan, Everdell, uh, Vagrant Song. So it's, it's up there with some amazing games. And you, know, you look at the difference between the giant crate of Wingspan versus the small box <laughs> of Mindbug. It's pretty amazing, you know, and it, you don't need this giant grandiose. You know, 50 boxes shipped when you kickstart to have a successful, fun, stop. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, great, great product and great game. So it's 4.7 for me.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at my Frosthaven box. I think I could fit uh, about 42 Mindbugs in there. Yep. And uh, probably get more game out of it. Not a shot at Frosthaven, just uh, really like Mindbug that much.
1: I cannot wait till Mindbug needs to get that big box like King of Tokyo or Smash Up or one of these others that it just has everything in it. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited for that day because the game deserves it eventually. Well, wait until eventually should uh, get there.
0: uh, (laughs) Shoot Marvin a message and ask him what year that's coming so you can set aside a little cash now and plan ahead. Yeah. We'll see what he says. So that's pretty good. 4 7 and 4 5. And again, this game was in our top 50 for both of us and well deserved. I think this is one of our favorites from the last couple of years in terms of two player games. And, and I'm looking forward to exploring this more as we get more time together with other people to play and as these expansions drop because these keywords look fun.
1: Yeah. Now, the ultimate question, Ryan, is will this game make you lose friends? Yes.
0: 100%. Yes. <laughs> yep. This game. <laughs> It, it's the mind bug alone and yeah. stealing shit that you know they need or really want is infuriating to – it's wonderful as a person playing it and stealing stuff. And it's so pivotal to winning games sometimes. Um, but when you're on the other side of it and you know that card is pivotal to them winning or you losing, you're just like, son of a – it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And then some of the powers can be very frustrating too. Uh, some of those keywords are good in certain situations. And some of the synergies I was talking about come forth with them. And you just feel – you get like this power high, which is great until it gets taken away from you and you can't do anything with it anymore because it's now theirs and you have to kill your own creation. It's just – it's yep. brilliant. It's very well done. But yes, it makes you angry. I
1: agree. I mean, best laid plans when it comes to this game – you know, when to play your mind bug. Did you play it too early? Cause your opponent baited you yeah. into thinking <laughs> that was the best card he possibly could play or I she could play. I love doing that. Oh, the bait and switch on mind bug is so good. Or, or like, uh, you know, tr- you try to get your, you could take a couple hits because you're sitting on the axolotl nurse. Uh, and then you hope that <laughs> they're out of, out of mind bugs and then you're back up. You know, I just, oh, so good. So good.
0: What's your favorite card? We didn't talk about that, but if you had to pick one of the cards – I know there's so many and it's tough to pick, but like I'll just – I'll go first while you think. But my – I think I like that Armored Scorpion. Like it's got – it's hard to kill. It's – what is it? Tough? So it's hard to kill – and it's poison, so it yeah. kills stuff. That, like, oh, it's such a stupid little card, but it screws up so many. Pl- Every game I get that, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I have this card because it just screws up so many plans. And now I'm gonna butcher it, but I.
1: And I wish I had my deck here to to actually say it. Um is it called the Borzuka, which is the the giant pig?
0: <laughs> I don't remember, but, but if it's so not, basically- we're gonna
1: refer to it as that from here on out. <laughs> so, but basically, he's like a, a wrath of God. So if he yes. dies, he wipes the other player's board completely. Um, I, I, it has something to do with a boar, I think. And maybe borzuka is the wrong term or Bormageddon or whatever it's called. But basically – I don't know, but borzuka is fantastic.
0: <laughs> but, That's but, but, sticking now.
1: Yeah, but when he attacks and if he dies, he wipes your, the, your opponent's board. So basically you um, – You don't want to kill him, but Kamikaze you have him. to kill him. Yeah. Or maybe it's Bormikaze. I don't know, what, but it's something with something with a bore.
0: I'm pretty sure it's not <laughs> Bormikaze. but you, you did understand. just come up with the, the uh, episode name right there, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna okay. stick with that. All right, but between yes, that or that, Bormageddon,
1: yeah, that's one of my favorite cards. Definitely, um, I love getting him out because he he just you have to deal with him because if you don't, you're either gonna lose life or you're gonna lose your lose your whole army that you've taken. X amount of turns oh, to love, build up.
0: Yeah, you know, I love those choices like, in that game. I love him, yeah.
1: but he's also a good decoy. Like, if you have something, if you have a, if you know you have a way to deal with him, if he gets mind bugged, you just basically not only had them waste a turn to mind bug it, it gave you another turn to then potentially take care of it. You know, so he's a really good decoy for a lot of different reasons, and and just I don't know, I love getting him and playing him.
0: Yeah there are so many fun cards in that that base set and there's so many that are going to get added. So if you have not checked out Mindbug, please check out Kickstarter. Uh should be a couple days left, few days left at the time of this episode's release uh, to check out the Mindbug campaign on Kickstarter that is M I N D B U G. Search it up, you'll find it. Get the base set, get the expansions, whatever it is that you can, you know, swing out of your pocketbook or your coin satchel and uh you will not regret it. It is an extremely fun and accessible card game, light gamers to heavy gamers. Everybody can enjoy it. And I just want to thank uh, Marvin and Ken for setting up the interview. But thank you, Marvin, for your time. It was a pleasure to get to, to speak with you. And uh, hopefully, we'll check back again in the next expansion. And in the meantime, we're all very, very excited to get uh, to get the new expansion and get it to the table.
1: Yeah, and then just the last piece. Um, as I said, my thank yous to Marvin for giving us your time and sorry for the mix up with stuff. Uh, so I do appreciate you being flexible, uh, with the time zones and everything. Um, but, uh, and Marvin did mention that the digital version of Mindbug is in, is, is coming soon from a beta perspective. And if you are, uh, on the Kickstarter right now, you could check the link, uh, in the updates uh to sign up to become a beta tester. So, uh, we'll throw I sent that around rights, to if. our group. Um but yeah, uh Mindbug Digital w- with the Success of Snap and Hearthstone and all these other board games that have uh, gone digital. I think Mindbug is perfect for that. So, it's going to be super exciting. Uh and yeah. potentially get, would get us more Mindbug played because <laughs> playing, you know, in on your phone is going to be
0: huge. Yeah, it's just going to pull time away from Snap, but I think that might yeah, be okay. I'm okay with that, Mindbug's a better game. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> at this point, there's no money going into it, so that helps too. Uh, but hopefully at some point, maybe they figure out how to monetize, and it gets to be one of those competitive games, and people just flock to it, because I could see it doing that. It's just one of those... Pure Dude, not, forms of card gaming.
1: And I know I butchered the name of that card. Hopefully, there's at least a boar on it, so I'm right. It's some I don't aspect. remember,
0: but I'm <laughs> telling you it's... that's the episode name now. I just have to pick which boar disaster I want to use. So keep making dumb stuff up, and we'll keep using it. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> I like Borzuka the most, but we'll see. I, th-
1: <laughs> I thought he had a big cannon on his – on his haunches. I can't remember the art. But I know it was. <laughs> I hope there was a pig in it, or I'm completely wrong. This is going to be so bad. I well, guess we'll not, find out we on just the next gave episode. Marvin, a new idea. <laughs> yes. So. All
0: right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 31. I know it's a bit of a short one, but we're going to have a nice long one coming up soon. We will review game night, the games we played, and talk about our backbot and some other good stuff. So. St- Stick around or – well, I don't say stick around because we're about to sign off. But check us out again soon. If you haven't <laughs> yeah. checked us out already and you want to check out the back catalog, of which there's now 30 episodes, you can find us on the web at PlayGamesLoseFriends.com. You can find us on Instagram at PlayGamesLoseFriends. You can find us on Twitter at PGLFShow. You can email the show if you have something you want to cover or talk about, you want to hear us chat about, some games you can recommend, anything you'd like. Uh, you can – contact contact us via email I still can't talk at playgames gmail at gmail.com if you like the show please leave a good review for us on wherever you get your podcasts it helps us get the show out to more people and we just like the feedback too anything constructive is always welcome or if you just yeah. want to call some dumb nerds that's fine too uh, feedback is welcome anything else to add can think you've said it all just uh rate review subscribe and we appreciate all of you thank you we do thanks for tuning in and we will see you again soon and one last thank you to marvin keegan for the time to talk mind bug was a pleasure and we will see you all soon take care folks play games lose friends or don't your choice bye guys later